0: hello and welcome to episode 51 of killer hangover i'm bettina and i'm beth and this week we're going to cover stories from maine
1: yes we are
0: (laughs) i have the true crime Bethy has the paranormal and the drink. And what are we sampling this week? Sampling?
1: (laughs) I don't think a full glass is a sample, but (laughs) sure, Mom. Whatever you want to tell yourself. So the drink we are drinking tonight goes by many names. The sombrero, fat ass in a glass, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and Allen's and milk, just to name a few. All different names, but all the same cocktail with the main ingredient being Allen's coffee flavored brandy. Oh, okay. Quote, nothing short of a cultural phenomenon in Maine, <laughs> okay. unquote, according to punkdrink.com. Allen's coffee flavored brandy has its own Wikipedia site. Oh, where it states that it has been the best selling liquor product in over 20 years. In fact, in 2008, sales were 1,100,000 bottles, with the population of Maine being 1,300,000 people. <laughs> Quote, Mainers consumed nearly one bottle for every man, woman, and child in the state. <laughs> Unquote. Allen's coffee brandy is bottled and made in Massachusetts, but like everywhere when you Google popular drinks in Maine, this drink came up everywhere. I guess so. The liquor is 60 proof. There is some caffeine in there. Warning you, Mom, because I know you don't like to drink caffeine in the evening, but sorry. But it's not too much. Okay. Okay. So this cocktail contains the Allen's coffee flavored brandy and milk over ice. Oh, that's it? That's it. I did a little splash of cream in with the milk because I know that we really like our cream and Mm -hmm. I really wanted to make it a uh, fat ass in a glass. So (laughs) cheers, Mom. Cheers,
0: sweetheart. Ooh, that's nummy. It's like creamy coffee with a splash of alcohol.
1: (laughs) I'm not a fan of brandy, but this is, it's very, it's not as creamy as eggnog. Right. But it
0: definitely kind of has that similar. Sort of. But it has a kick
1: of coffee in it.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's really good. I like it. I like that brandy twist to it.
1: I would understand why. I definitely understand why you'd get, this is good. (laughs)
0: I understand why they sell their bottles. This is good. (laughs) Can I exchange this for my coffee in the morning?
1: (laughs) Sure, mom. (laughs) Just tell everybody it's a sample and you'll be fine. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Very good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, before I begin with the true crime, I'd like to wish my beautiful daughter a happy birthday. Gee, thanks. Her birthday was on the 7th of January. Actually, her and her husband's birthday was on the 7th of January. Yeah, yeah. So we don't even have a special day anymore. Beth and Alex, I love you both and happy birthday to you. Thanks, Mom. She is. All right. I'm going to move on to the true crime. This is another one of those retching heart stories. Retching hearts. Yeah. Well, on Saturday, October 20th. 2001. 25-year-old Amy St. Laurent spent the early part of the day visiting museums in Boston. That evening, she took a friend who was visiting from out of town to the old port section of Portland, Maine. Just looking at pictures and reading about Portland, Maine, it's a quaint, beautiful little town.
1: Yeah, that's where my stepsister, your stepdaughter, they have a house out there. How <laughs>
0: oh, funny how that works! <laughs> they did. They got. And a... they say
1: it's absolutely gorgeous out there. Yep.
0: They want to retire back there.
1: Yeah, and I so. know that.
0: Hopefully, your
1: future son-in-law, no pressure, John, but he also loves Maine and his family would vacation there too.
0: Haven't ever been, so never hey,
1: been. But it sounds like good we better go. To
0: go. <laughs> so. Amy took her friend to a pool hall, then they went out to pizza, and finally to the Pavilion Dance Club. Well, that sounds like a
1: fun evening. I know,
0: a fun day. Yeah. Boston museums, and then, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's here that the story gets a little foggy, though. The friend either went to the restroom or stepped out of the club for some reason or another, but either way, he said that when he entered the club again, he couldn't find Amy. Oh, no. Which he thought was strange because Amy wasn't the type of person to just leave. Okay. She's a very kind, very conscientious person who would just give. Mm. If, if, if she met somebody that was in need, a family that was in need of Christmas gifts, I think I read, she bought the family Christmas gifts. I oh, mean, she was just one of those sweetheart, generous, caring people. It has nothing to do with her not leaving, but just adding, sure. adding that in there. So this was around 1 a.m. He waited around for a little while before heading out. And then he, he just never found Amy. So he headed back to her house. Of course, he couldn't get in. So he spent the rest of the night in his car.
1: Oh, gosh. Probably just totally worried
0: sick. In the morning, Amy still hadn't returned. Amy's family became worried when they hadn't heard from her. And they went to her home and saw that she hadn't fed her cat. That's...
1: That is a red
0: flag. Big red flag. When they called her workplace, they discovered that she had not shown up to work that day either. Mm. Now, Amy, along along with being a generous person, she was also very conscientious. She would never have not shown up at work without calling. And she would never have neglected her cat, whom she loved very much. Something was wrong and Mm. in a big way. The family notified the police... And of course, it's like 24 hours. You know, she's a 25 year old. We've got to wait, blah, blah, blah. They didn't wait. They printed flyers and Good. friends and family hung up flyers everywhere in Portland. They
1: went with their gut and they knew something was in wrong. Portland
0: because they knew this woman. Mm-hmm. They knew that she would not not show up. One of the tips police got when they finally started getting active in the case and Amy's disappearance was that she was seen leaving the club with a 21 year old named Jeffrey Russ Gorman, who was well-known to the bartenders and to the staff at the club. He would be there all the time.
1: Oh, he's just a regular
0: there? Yeah, Yeah. When questioned, Gorman stated that he did cross paths with Amy at the pool hall as well as the dance club. He invited Amy back to his apartment where there was a birthday party for his roommate. Gorman said that no one showed up for the party, so he drove Amy back to the pavilion club and dropped her off. Then he went back to his apartment at 2 a.m. But that doesn't match up.
1: Why would she leave her friend? She was out with a friend. Why would she just leave her friend who was visiting even?
0: First of all, she would never. She just met this, supposedly met this guy. She would never, it was totally went against her personality to get into a car with a strange person.
1: But again, why would she leave her friend? Even if that was in her character to meet somebody new and go over to their place.
0: She had a friend visiting. Yeah, but she would never have done either one of those two things. Okay. Oh, investigators then questioned Gorman's roommate who said that he came home at 3 a.m. and Gorman was not home. So he said, mm. he told police he was back at his apartment at 2. He was not there at 3. Another kink in Gorman's story was that police discovered he had been pulled over on the night in question for a broken headlight.
1: Wow, if he's going to make up a story, at least remember
0: that. One source said that he was pulled over at 2.30, another at 3.14. So I wasn't sure on exactly on what time there. Okay. Either time, he was not home, as he stated in his story. Mm-mm. But there is no solid proof of any wrongdoing. Five days into the investigation, there are no further leads. Oh, my gosh. I no crime this. scene. No victim. Detective Chief Joe Laughlin is driving into work when he turns on the radio. Spoiler alert, we're back to psychics. <laughs> <laughs> Vicki Monroe, a psychic radio host, is on. As he listens to the show, he decides that... Phew, he has nothing to lose. He calls her when he gets into the office. He thinks that if nothing else, maybe this would trigger some thought process in him. You know? Yeah. Again, he had nothing to lose. This and the following is from psychic investigations. Ta-da. My new. I have a feeling you were binging this a while. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Seasons. You are such a binger. <laughs> I am. I'm terrible. Golly. I think that's because I'm compulsive and I can't stop something once I start it. So <laughs> don't get me started on a show. Shoot. I finished Monk, <laughs> oh. which I'd already seen. I, this is totally off the story, but I finished Monk, I think, in like two weeks and they had a lot of seasons. Well, was Monk. after
1: your surgery, you didn't have much to do, but. But
0: still, that's what you I You are do. a binger. I am. <laughs> I, I admit it. I own it. So this is from Psychic Investigation Season 2, Episode 2, Finding Amy, October 5, 2020. You can find the link in our sources. As Laughlin is speaking to Vicki, she starts shaking and begins to cry. Now remember, this is over the phone. Because as he talks, she can distinctly see a woman wearing a gray sweatshirt with writing on the upper left side, which reads, Pratton Whitney which happens to be where Amy works. Oh, the detective she did not that? tell her that. Was she wearing that? When she We don't know. Then Vicky got a sick feeling in her stomach. Oh no. Which is what happened every time she connected to a person who had passed. Mm. Vicky tells Laughlin that she thinks Amy had been murdered. She proceeds to say that she, quote, hears Amy say that the man's name who killed her starts with a, and this is a quote, J, 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 Jeff, Jeff. His name is Jeff. That's so crazy. Side note no one but the police knew that they had interviewed Jeff Gorman and that he was their main suspect crazy 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 Vicky also sees that Amy is in a heavily wooded area she hears water and she sees a house which she feels has some kind of connection to Jeff then she relays to Laughlin that Amy is telling her that quote you need to help them find me get me out i'm under something and i can't get out
1: oh gosh
0: Searchers go out, but this is a wide expanse of heavily wooded area.
1: And, oh, by the way, this is just information they got
0: from a psychic. Exactly. So, I mean, exactly. Two veteran detectives are working the case. Detective Danny Young and Detective Scott Heraclis. I believe I'm saying that right. They review Jeff's story of the night in question. There happens to be a jewelry store right across the street from the pavilion club. So they have cameras. And guess what it has? Cameras. Yep. A video surveillance camera. They review the footage and find that Jeff's old beat-up car cannot be seen in any of the footage. Oh. He never dropped Amy off at the club. The detectives then look into Jeff's records, which reach back to when he was really young and living in Florida and Alabama. He had record of misdemeanor crimes, thefts. Crimes the detectives called crimes, quote, crime. Quime? Did it quime, mommy? (laughs) Quote, crimes of dishonesty. I'd never heard that before, but I thought it was interesting.
1: Your dog is doing quite the yoga move, stretching (laughs) over here. What is
0: going on,
1: Obi? Get comfy.
0: This, of course, leads to even more distrust of Jeff Gorman. Then, to add to his being a suspect, they find that his piece of crap car that he never cleaned. In fact, he'd tell his roommate, it's just a piece of crap. Why do I need to clean it? So this car was found to be immaculate the day Mm. after Amy went missing. Mm. He never cleaned his car. Then Gorman added to the building suspicion by trying to change his appearance. He shaved his head, got tattoos and piercings. Okay. He was no longer compliant in answering police questions.
1: Well, no, because now he's covered in tattoos and he's a hard
0: ass. (laughs) Laughlin (laughs) called this, quote, post-offense behavior. Hmm. Now it's the first part of December, December 8th. There's a big snowstorm on its way to Portland. This will be the last day to search for Amy in the dense forest before the snow falls and the cadaver dogs will not be of any use in the snow. The area they have chosen to search is one that is very familiar to Jeff because... His mother owns a house nearby. Remember the house Vicky saw that she felt had a connection to Jeff.
1: Really interesting. I mean, you kind of have to think then because that house was there, that really made police want to follow through with what the psychic was seeing.
0: The dense forest
1: and the yeah. water.
0: Mm-hmm. Jeff had walked the trails and had fished in the lake that is visible through the trees. But where is Amy again? This is a wide expanse. I mean, the, this house sits in the woods. Mm. So searchers are obviously searching. Um, and they start that. in the morning. And remember, the snowstorm is predicted to come in. So time is of the essence. All of a sudden, one of the searchers finds a spot where the earth is soft. Oh, the cadaver dogs are led to the area okay we did psychics on one episode i would love to do an 100%. episode on cadaver dogs
1: yes because, because maybe we can find an interview somebody and we can go and meet them
0: they are amazing <laughs> amazing to me jeez louise my dog is worthless compared to those dogs <laughs> but he sure is cute <laughs> he's cute but boy his nose is not worth a darn anyway <laughs> So, the cadaver dogs are led to the area. Of course, not the exact spot. That would be cheating. (laughs) The dogs got to a pine tree and alerted their handlers, then go directly to the soft dirt spot and alert again. So, the pine tree is in that area. Okay. The detectives start to dig. This is a forensic dig, so it's a slow process that goes well into the the evening. And about 20 inches down, they hit a piece of plywood. And gently lift it. The first thing they see is a gray sweatshirt. With Pratt and Whitney printed on the left hand side. No way. They found Amy. Remember Vicky had said that Amy told her that she couldn't get out. Because she was under something. Mm. Is that sheet of plywood. Vicky had also told Laughlin that. Quote. You'll find Amy before the first snowfall. No way. As the detectives and coroner with Amy's body were leaving the site snow started to fall holy cow yeah. oh my gosh crazy the two detectives surmised that the assault started in Jeff's car
1: so did she willingly go with him then
0: there was a date rape drug found in Amy's system oh shoot and they could determine whether it had been given to her at the club or after but okay just looking into this case and and you know I'm not a detective But, you know, summing up Amy's personality, I think it was given to her at the club, slipped to her at the club. Sure. And
1: again, though, I just don't feel like she would leave her friend.
0: But if she has a drug in her system, she has no control. No, no, exactly.
1: That's what I mean. I don't think without the drug, she would have just left the club with a stranger, especially leaving her friend behind. She wouldn't have left with a stranger,
0: period. Right. So she had to have been drugged there at the or club. forcibly taken i think she would have said something she wasn't like a passive person either mm-hmm. so amy resisted his advances in the car and then he further assaulted her in the wooded area and then he shot her in the back of the head oh gosh he left the scene leaving her body in the woods two days later he returned to the he site and buried the body why did he put the plywood over her probably to keep animals from scavenging hmm. you know It's just my guess. You mean you don't, you can't get into the head of a psychopath? No, sorry. (laughs) Shoot. It was only 20 inches down, which isn't that deep. So scavengers would have been able to get to her, but that plywood would further protect them from getting to her body. I don't know. That was my guess. Gorman had left town a few days before Amy's body was found. He was arrested in his hometown, Troy, Alabama, after an armed standoff. I question whether his mother, who lived very close to the murder site, knew about what had happened. Why? Well, he probably went to her house after he killed this woman. And then, I mean, he, he, he'd not killed before, I don't think. So he had to have been shook up. And then he had to take a shovel from the house because he had to dig the ground. Mm-hmm. Oh, research, after I questioned this, research found that there was actually a tape of Tammy Westbrook, who is Gorman's mother, her testimony to a grand jury in which she stated that Jeff called her the day Amy's body was found and confessed to her. Mm. But at the trial, when called to the stand, Tammy said that I can't remember the phone call or I can't remember Jeff had confessed anything to her. Seriously? Yeah. So she didn't deny it, but she said, I can't remember. She went on to describe Gorman as being very caring and not evil. He's not a monster, she said. Tammy also stated that Jeff was being picked on in jail and he had been stabbed seven times. Really? I mean, I know she's his mother. Yeah. But your son killed an innocent woman in cold blood. Really? Yeah. I mean, I I love all my kids to death, but the one thing I told you guys when you were growing up is, you find yourself in jail, I'm the last person you call because I will not bail your butt out. Mm-hmm. You
1: learn <laughs> your lesson. No, that. Oh man.
0: Yeah. So he what had type her of fool? Well, she's his mother. I don't know whether she had any other children. I mean, I don't know. So what type of sentence did Gorman get? Prosecutors asked for a life sentence. Mm-hmm. There is no death sentence in Maine oh but the defense argued that this was not a premeditated murder (laughs) (laughs) and that gorman was capable of change in addition with gorman's age and history of depression he should only be sentenced for 38 years they're friends with his mother which i find totally inadequate but they Mom, didn't we will me. never
1: understand the system. We will never, ever understand it.
0: So Jeffrey Gorman was sentenced to 60 years in prison for the murder of Amy St. Laurent. He will serve a minimum of 51 years. Amy's mother, Diane Jenkins, started a foundation in 2002 in Amy's memory. I love when people do this. I do too. The Amy St. Laurent Foundation, whose mission is, quote, to educate women and children of all ages in awareness and prevention and in the event it becomes necessary techniques to protect themselves in dangerous or life-threatening situations
1: oh i just cut teary-eyed <laughs> that sucks
0: the program is called rad r-a-d short for rape aggression defense system jenkins said that she knew amy would have fought which she did but she didn't have the correct tools Or know how to do so.
1: Yeah, that's really important.
0: Placing her at a disadvantage. You can find the link to the Amy St. Laurent Foundation in our sources.
1: Oh, that's so important for young girls. Unfortunately, women sucks that we have to even consider that. But I mean, my dad has—he's always giving me different random tools to use. I got this whistle thing that you just pop the lid off of it, and it gets really loud. loud. And it doesn't stop unless you put the lid back on. So don't let that come open in your purse. Believe me, (laughs) in the grocery store when my toddler found it, that was not fun. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But very cool thing to have. I mean, there's different tricks with how to hold your keys. I mean, there's just.
0: Yeah, it's important.
1: It sucks, but my dad taught me all that kind of stuff in
0: high school. Good thing. Okay, now I'm going to do what MaineCrimeWriters.com did in their article about Amy. So giving them full credit with this idea. Okay, It wasn't mine. Okay. I'm going to share with you the last verse of one of Amy's favorite songs. Mm. It comes from Dante's Prayer by Lorena McKinnon. Okay. Uh, she's an Irish singer. If you were Katie, you'd know her. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, sorry, I'm not. Sorry to let you down, Mom. <laughs>
0: I'll post the link to the song in our sources. It's lovely and a bit haunting. But now that you know the tragic ending to Amy's story, be prepared to tear up. <laughs> if because oh, I'm not to already. <laughs> so I'm going to try to read this without tearing up myself. Though we share this humble path alone, how fragile is the heart. Oh, give these clay feet wings to fly, to touch the face of the stars. Breathe life into this feeble heart. Lift this mortal veil of fear. Take these crumbling hopes etched with tears. We'll rise above these earthly cares. Cast your eyes on the ocean. Cast your soul to the sea. When the dark night seems endless, please remember me. Please remember me. Oh, I know it's so sad. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. You wrote this. I'm not going to (laughs) cry. Oh, Amy St. Lorraine, rest in peace, and Gorman, I'm sorry they're picking on you in jail. Wah, wah, wah. Geesh. Geesh is right. Okay, please lighten this up. All right, well,
1: I will try to lighten it up then. Good. Would you like some more fat ass in a glass?
0: (laughs) I already poured it. Yeah, you did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to call you out there, but yes, yes, you did. Double fat ass. Okay. (laughs) No offense both cheeks are even now. <laughs> <laughs> well you can't have one cheek bigger than the other so
0: gotta even it out Yep.
1: okay <laughs> good excuse so i'm really excited to chat about this location i talked to two paranormal investigators about this place oh wow completely and
0: different paranormal uh groups. two teams yes wow
1: And it was just so different from anything we've done. Mm. Okay. So today I'm going to share about Swan Island. So it's a small island, like four miles long, a mile and a half wide. Okay. And I guess there's another island in Maine called Swan's Island. (laughs) Like multiple swans. (laughs) This is just a singular swan. Do they have a lot of swans in Maine? I don't think so (laughs) I didn't even read about seeing swans on this island Or a swan on this island But it's called Swan Island Okay, It is between the towns of Richmond and Dresden And it's surrounded by the Kennebec River the only way to get there is by ferry or I watched a YouTube video where the guy kayaked over there. So this is not on the coast. This is not on the ocean. This is just in a river. And the the river that it sits on is not very large. So okay. don't think of like some tropical island. This is just. Okay.
0: That's interesting. A stretch An of land
1: in, in a river between in. Okay. two
0: big towns of Richmond and Dresden. I'm talking about being landlocked waterlocked and (laughs) landlocked
1: no more fat ass for you so the island is pretty small and it's only about 1500 acres the island was originally named perkins township but inhabitants of the island date back before that to native americans
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: It's the classic American history where the jerk white men came in and drove the Native Americans out. Mm. There was a lot of strife between the two cultures on the small island. The more settlers that moved onto the island, the more frequent Native American attacks occurred. Mm. But that didn't stop people from moving out there. They just kept moving out there. Over time, the settlers created a little township of Perkins with its own little government, a schoolhouse, a cemetery and several homes scattered throughout the island. In the 19th century, the community had about 100 people that lived out there. And by that point, the island really attracted people to come and build their summer homes on the island. Oh, okay. They had this one main road that literally runs like the spine of the island. It just Mm -hmm. runs Mm -hmm. through the middle of it. And then the homes are kind of scattered off the main road in the
0: wooded area. Well, you say it was only four miles long, right? Mm -hmm. So that isn't very big. Not
1: at all. The little community did pretty well until the depression hit in 1929 and the river actually started to get polluted and they all were forced to leave the island and abandon it. Oh, really? Yeah. So now the island is left in that state, abandoned. Oh. It is thick with forest. It has some fields. It has wildlife. It is now a protected wildlife preserve, but it's kind of haunting because they still have the abandoned structures there.
0: Interesting. and old
1: cemeteries there dating back to like the 1700s wow some of the buildings date back to the 1750s and through the months of may and october the island is open for camping oh. they have this whole area dedicated with lean twos and little grills and such uh, they allow fishing and hiking and All that kind of. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. One of the paranormal investigators from the area I chatted with was Sarah. She goes by Sarah Sinister on her social media. She is one of the leaders of the paranormal group Sinister Four Winds Investigations out in Maine. She leads the group with her mama, another fine mother-daughter duo. Cool. Cheers to you gals. Now, chatting with Sarah was just fascinating. I mean, I totally let her off topic during our chat a few times. (laughs) I had a lot of questions.
0: So easy to do. But she's really
1: easy to talk to, and we just really got Mm -hmm. along. So I will tell you more information on Sarah and her experiences in a bit, but I'm going to try to do better than the Hawaii episode and stay on topic here. Okay. (laughs) So Swan Island. Sarah explained the island in such an awesome way. She said the island was like an onion, like Shrek.
0: (laughs) She... She didn't, has leos.
1: Yes. She did not <laughs> correspond the island to Shrek. That was me trying to be funny just now. But she claimed that the island was like an onion in the aspect that it had many layers of spirits out there. Oh, some spirits were residual spirits. Some spirits they experienced were like energies that echoed the past. And there were spirits that were from those that lived and died there. There There's also a layer where the spirits were intelligent and they would respond and openly communicate with them while they were out there. And they also experienced some what she called native or ancient spirits as well. Very cool. She said the whole island has a very native feel to it. Mm -hmm. Stepping off of the ferry onto Swan Island was very strange in itself. She said the whole island has this feeling of, quote,
0: it's a whole different reality can i ask unquote. can i cut in here and ask a question are cars allowed on the island no Mm-mm. that's that's excellent
1: yeah there's i mean i'm sure the i don't know if you call them rangers but the wildlife preserve people that are out there they have like i'm sure they have vehicles to get around but no you take the ferry over there and then foot you, ferry yeah the only way okay. over there is kayak or this ferry and yeah nice. no cars no cars so you're completely isolated and you feel like you really step back in time, she mm-hmm. said. But something, and I think she verbalized it very well. And Ding Dong me got so caught up in chatting with her that I found myself sitting and listening and forgetting to take, take notes. notes. Yes. But she described the feeling by saying that the ancient or native feeling that surrounded them on the island felt very elemental. Oh. Almost like there was a guardian of the Of the land. There had been some, it was like there was some guardian that was set up maybe by the Native Americans, possibly that were on the island in the past to like protect the island, or it felt protected, but it felt very elemental. So I discovered Sarah by watching YouTube on Swan Island. You know how I like watching my YouTube, but her videos were very well done. Her whole channel is very interesting and well done. She's done a lot of paranormal investigations and everything. And again, I'll get into that in a second. But she had this four parter from her, their visit to Swan Island that was so interesting. All four videos are great. I suggest you watch them. I'm going to link them. Mm-hmm. But to follow up on that feeling of the native elemental energy that surrounded them on the island, there was this part where they're in the woods and her mom, who I'm sorry, Sarah, I should have asked, but just from watching the videos, I believe she was a sensitive. She could sense spirits around Mm her and she can sense somebody out in the woods. And they, they all did actually. And they felt it was very negative. But as they're walking in the woods, they started to notice these small trees and the way they were growing. So back in the day, Native Americans would grow saplings and take smaller trees and kind of hold the end of the tree down to the ground so it formed an archway gotcha and that would kind of mark a path maybe towards the water or a path towards hunting or just something but create a path yeah and when they were out there in the woods, they were seeing these everywhere what? still to this day. So that's how those trees were growing then. And she just they're still there. They found that very, very interesting. They did some great spirit box work in the old cemetery. Sarah said the cemetery is just ancient. It's so old and you can barely read some tombstones or some are just broken or missing. Sure. But they had some communication with the With a few spirits there in the cemetery, one of the members there said they sensed a child and they asked, how old are you? And a few seconds go by and it said six. Oh, something to note, too, which I really appreciated from Sarah and her team's work is the patience it takes to talk to spirits. Mm -hmm. You can't just go in there and just ask a question and expect a response like you and me talking right Right. now. Right. It takes a lot of energy for them to respond. Mm -hmm. And I watch a lot of investigation videos and it's very frustrating because they just ask a question. They wait like a second and then they ask another question. Then they ask another question. Right. And they were so great because they waited. They're just very patient. They ask, how old are you? And then they just patiently wait for a response. And I just wanted to shout that out because that was really, really well done. They also communicate with a spirit whose name was Alice over the spirit box. They asked and her, she said her name was Alice. Again, go check the videos if you're interested. They ask a lot of questions. They get some really cool responses with Alice. And as they're chatting with Alice, one of the members of the group that is with them sees that right behind them is a tombstone with the name Alice, Alice. on it. Cool. There was even a part where they were using an instrument that when you it's called a K two. When you touch it, it lights up. Uh huh. And they said, "Can you light that up?" And over the spirit box, you hear her ask, "How?"
0: <gasps> oh, so cool.
1: I know. And you got to think, too, like if she's from 1750, (laughs) she doesn't know even what a flashlight is. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's another thing. Totally. When you do paranormal investigations, we always call it like the torch or something. Whenever I do investigations, can you touch this torch? Because you never know how touch the light source. How far back
0: they go. Right. Wow
1: Sarah wants to go back and do more work out in the cemetery but they were only there for the one night and as it started to get dark they went to another location plus not to mention it was super rainy and gucky and yuck and they're like hiking out there and camping Mm -hmm. sounds absolutely miserable to me (laughs) I am not a very outdoorsy gal but hey sissy if you're listening you and your boo need to go check this place out sometime because kind of sounds right up your alley and uh, send me some pictures so anyway All four videos show great experiences that Sarah and her team had out there. And chatting with Sarah, she told me some great stories about how at one point they felt like they were being beckoned into one of the abandoned homes. Yeah. They're all locked. You can't go in there. I think there's only like five or six structures left. Um, and they've been maintained fairly well that I think they open them maybe for events in the summer and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the time that they went, they're all locked up and they just felt the spirit like beckoning them into the basement. And it just felt very negative. But they couldn't go. But they couldn't go. At one point, they felt like they were being surrounded by energies as they were sitting on one of the porches of one
0: of the homes. Okay, that would be scary. Yeah.
1: There were so many great stories. But the one I want to share more in depth is when Sarah and a small group of investigators including a man named Travis from another paranormal team called Grimm, Ghost Research and Investigations of Maine. Now, I also talked to Travis. He was another awesome person to talk to. It was really fun talking to him. But in this part of the video, they're at this picnic table by the river. So it's Sarah, her mom, Travis, and I believe probably three or four other investigators. Okay. Now, the story from the area goes that there was a family out there at one point, a dad, mom, and two young girls. The two young girls, and I believe even the mother, died from drowning out in the river. Oh. Now, through other paranormal investigations done in the past... Voices have come forward and there's the sense that the father had killed them Mm -hmm. or he had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. So this group is out there now and they do what they call the blindfold experiment. So I'm going to try my best to describe the way they do this experiment. It's so cool. So they have the spirit box, which, you know, is the box that the spirits voices come uh-huh, through. Uh-huh. The one that you really don't like. the yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't it's not as loud as that. But nobody can hear the spirit box except for the one person who has the blindfold on and then headphones on. Gotcha. I think I've seen this. So they're okay. the only ones that can hear the spirits talking mm-hmm. and they cannot hear the the other investigators that are there. So the other investigators that are there are asking the spirits questions. questions. right? And the person with the blindfold on has no idea what they're asking, doesn't even know where they're standing. And then all she's doing, or he is repeating whatever the spirit says through the box gotcha so if they hear yellow they say yellow they have no idea if it's responding to anything Mm -hmm. they have no idea if there's any relevance to anything i know chip coffee is on a paranormal show and for the life of me i cannot remember the name of that show right now and they do this experiment right you introduced me to that show too yeah so I think this is a really cool experiment when you really want to validate what you're hearing because or what you're experiencing or anything. Because like Travis from Grimm, he made a good point. If you're doing a spirit box session, like a normal spirit box mm-hmm. session, and as paranormal investigators, you usually do research on the location before you go there. So because the research of the girls drowning... And they're asking, you know, how did you die? And they hear a voice come through a spirit box. Your mind wants to hear drown. So Mm -hmm. maybe you create that you're hearing that. Right. So this is what's so cool is because the person with the blindfold and the headphones on, Mm -hmm. they have no idea what the question was. Mm -hmm. And because of all this, Travis really likes to use like code words. So in the video, for example, he uses the word pineapple. And unfortunately, it doesn't come through. But he was like... Okay, if you can hear me, can you say the word pineapple? Because then if the person with the blindfold and the headphones all of a sudden says pineapple, it'd be really cool. Didn't happen, but. Oh, darn. <laughs> it would be really cool. <laughs> so the experiment begins and Sarah is the one who has the headphones and the blindfold on. And right away, she goes, help me. Hi, I'm a girl. And then it says, I drowned. <gasps> No questions? Or... No. I mean, it just, right away, the spirit starts talking, communicating oh with them. Oh, my gosh. The group asks, was it an accident? And Sarah says, I'm blind. I'm cold. Oh. It's just so crazy to me. And they ask, did you fall into the river? And Sarah all of a sudden says, I'm here. Look up. We're here. <gasps> and they ask, how many of you are there? And Sarah says, 33. Oh. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. But that's just so crazy. She cannot hear what they're asking. No, I know. But she said a, a number. number. Right. So, again, it's really cool. Go watch the video. There's a lot that happens. So, during this whole part of the investigation, she keeps getting these feelings like someone's standing next to her. And also, there is this malevolent, me- malevolent, I can never say this damn word. Malevolent. Scary voice, (laughs) this gruff, angry voice that comes through like trying to take hold of the conversation and almost seems to have this control over the other spirits coming through and even tries to scare Sarah saying things like, mine, kill, you're mine. (gasps) And it's like really gruff, like you as the viewer can even hear it coming through her headphones. Like there's a point where you hear it come through really loudly and it goes, go. And then another voice says, stay. So it's kind of like this argument is taking place. Like they have this scary voice has hold over whatever spirits are there. Now, this does not scare Sarah too terribly. She's trained in dealing with negative energies like this. Chatting with her, I learned a lot about energies and positive vibrations that she's learned to bring into investigations over the years through the study of becoming a Reiki master. And today, she and her group are known as the cleaners. <laughs> Apparently, they are called in from other paranormal investigators or locations to come in clean house of negative entities. That is their job. They get referrals. They come in and they help spirits pass over and they help to get rid of negative entities.
0: Ghostbusters.
1: Basically, yeah. <laughs> Very cool talking to her. And I have a feeling I will be Resourcing back to her for future episodes. Excellent. Back to Swan Island. So this malevolent, right? Yes. Voice comes through. But another response came through during the investigation that Sarah said was the, quote, most intelligent response I've ever gotten. Oh. Unquote. The group asked, did the father drown the two girls? And the response that Sarah hears and gives is, nope. Then there's a pause. And Sarah hears the spirit ask. Next question.
0: <gasps> no way. Isn't
1: that crazy?
0: Oh my gosh. That is
1: just fascinating to me. Next question. Next question. Wow. Another thing about what happened in this part by the waterfront freaked me out was when Sarah's mom had the blindfold on. It was her turn to have the blindfold mm-hmm. on and the headphones. And she hears and yells out what she hears. So it's her turn. She yells out, Thank you, Beth. <laughs> She hears Beth twice. Oh, it gets better. But now, y'all can go check this out yourself. It's on video two of Stranded on Swan Island, timestamp, 26 minutes and eight seconds. I swear, she says, Batina. No, she does not. It could be Tina. Go and listen for y'all selves. But I swear to goodness, she said, Batina. Whoa. Chicken bumps. I rewatched that part. Over and over and over and over and over. And again, I could just be doing what Travis talked about. I'm wanting to hear it and I'm hearing it. But I don't know. You guys go check it out. You let me know what you think. You know,
0: right after we're done here, you're going to call that up and you're going to show me. I'm going
1: to call that up.
0: Yeah, you're going to pull it up.
1: At the end of the investigation. So it was an event with a few different teams out there and they were all camping out there that Mm -hmm. night. And the fourth video on YouTube shows this, but they did a ritual around the campfire led by Sarah's group. It's something that Sarah and her team do. It was led by their shaman, Four Winds. But it is a ritual that releases those spirits that are wanting to be released. It releases those energies that may be trapped there on the island. Travis said that it was a really cool experience to witness and be part of. But he and Sarah noted that the island was still pretty active even after the ceremony. Sure. Some spirits just don't want to leave, I guess. I mean, if
0: there were 33 spirits floating above their heads in just that one instance, you know that whole island is covered with spirits.
1: Again, there were so many layers of spirits there some conscious and aware of the investigators out there trying to communicate and others not so aware sarah said it was almost like they were out there kind of just still living their day-to-day lives not weird aware that there was paranormal investigators out there trying to talk to them it's all just So crazy to me how things get connected in this podcast, but chatting with Sarah about how she started out. Her grandma was a psychic. Oh, her name was Shirley Harrison, and she helped out a bit on the Boston Strangler case. Oh, my gosh. She has a book. I am actually reading it at the moment. Thank you so much, Sarah, for the recommendation. I found it. It was on Amazon. And wow, you were right. It's great. The book is called The Psychic Search. Again, her name is Shirley Harrison. But Sarah said that after her grandmother died, they were living in her house and they found some of her automatic writings in the attic. What
0: are automatic writings?
1: So you go into a trance like state mm-hmm. as a psychic and you just start writing, connecting with spirit. Okay. So you have no conscious of what you're writing. You're mm-hmm. connecting with spirits. The spirit mm-hmm. is writing through you. Gotcha. And energies are writing through you. Mm-hmm. So it's, pretty scary some of the things that she came across really reading these automatic writings that would be so awesome to see it's just but yeah some of the things that she found in the automatic writings was pretty disturbing uh you can find them reading some of these automatic writings on sarah's channel on youtube it's called sarah s-a-r-a sinister s-y-n-i-s-t-e-r and again i'll link that her paranormal group also has a facebook you can check them out they've got some really cool things on there I will link all of her socials here. Travis was also so great to talk to. He and a friend of his, Jeff, actually have a podcast as well called Locating the Lost. I highly suggest checking them out as well. There are 11 episodes in season one, and I believe I'm on episode seven, (laughs) but each episode covers another, like a separate case. Mm -hmm. And I know season two, they actually got an awesome interview with Sarah Turney uh, about her father and her sister, Alyssa, a case I would love to cover, but the episodes are interviews. So basically those affected by the case are telling their story in each podcast episode. Actually. Here's a look at Locating the Lost.
0: How do you know when it will be your last hug, your last kiss, your last goodbye? There was no movement from those boys on that track. They were dead before the train hit them. Locating the Lost is a true crime podcast focusing on the missing and the unsolved.
1: Melissa, at nine years old, went to her teacher which was also the the woman that my father was dating and said I'm having sex with my dad
0: giving a voice to the victims we talk to the families of those involved join us wherever you listen to your podcast follow us on facebook to join the search i'm travis along with my co-host jeff we'll be here locating the lost that body stayed there two three years now two years later they tried to give me three thousand dollars to move that dead body i would move it i didn't know who it was then i didn't know it was Jeremy. i didn't know my son was involved in it and i wouldn't do it choose him and i know it's really selfish to say that because if it wasn't him who would have been somebody else Wow, that is so cool.
1: Yes, and Travis is awesome. Again, I will probably be reaching out to him for future things, too. Hey, just like Mike Palmer. Yeah, we just
0: with creating a little team here. Yep.
1: Both Sarah and Travis started their love for the paranormal at young ages, living in haunted homes growing up. And like Travis and I talked about how he and I both believe that everyone has the ability of being sensitive, kind of like what we talked about in the psychic episode. I think everyone has that ability, but it's about tapping into it and getting past those excuses of, oh, that was just my dog or that was just the pipes in the walls and stop justifying it and always trust your gut. It's not always something to be scared of either. And that's something Sarah and I chatted about. If you go into a situation like with spirits and you're down in the dumps, then your negative energy is going to attract other negative energies or entities. But if you're a positive person with good vibrations and you go in, then you're going to attract other good and other positive things.
0: Don't they say that if you go in there scared that the this- spirits will be attracted to that fright
1: it's yeah and it's just your vibrations so if you're just happy you're not gonna let anything mess with you you're gonna have these high vibrations and those negative entities are not going to be able to mess with you it is something you do have to practice you can't just well i'm just gonna go in there happy <laughs> it, well, is no, it is a practice i would
0: walk in there scared no matter what
1: sure but you know basically to sum it up Go with your gut and surround yourself with things that make you happy and make you a better you. Oh, that would relate to everyday life experiences. Yes. (laughs) Sarah and Travis, thank you so much for speaking with me for this episode. I am sure I'll be chatting with you both soon in the future. You two are great. But yeah, that is a Swan Island and a little life advice from Killer Hangover.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was really interesting.
1: I As much as I don't like the outdoors, maybe I'll go in like Maine when it's not raining, but it seems really visit neat. Visit the island and leave. Because
0: mm-hmm. yeah. you ain't staying.
1: <laughs> I'm not a camping kind of gal.
0: <laughs> I don't know why not. No, I seriously don't because... Uh, your, you took me camping as a kid all the your time. Your father and I, as well as your stepfather, we're all outdoorsy people. Sorry. I can see where Katie gets it, but... You. I'm a city folk. You are. You are. Good thing you married a city folk kind of guy. <laughs> oh, I think he's worse than me. He is.
1: <laughs> I don't even think he'd step foot on the island. <laughs> bug, bug. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Alex, he wants you to send us more stories. He's, I think, enjoying it more than we are. He is really enjoying reading all of your guys's emails. Thank you to all of those that sent us your stories for this month. Again, February 7th will be next month's listeners episode so get us your emails it's killer hangover podcast at gmail.com and they do not have to be paranormal they could be true crime stories or you witness something well obviously hopefully you didn't witness something you didn't go to the police don't send us that kind of stuff
0: (laughs) we can't do anything to help you like that story we told about the guy who had the serrated knife that stabbed your door
1: yes hopefully Uh, so yes
0: good outcome stories.
1: yes please or you had a crime that happened in your town or something local tell us we want to hear it and we want to share it and we so want to share it, it. Yep. you can find all of the links that we've chatted about in the description of this episode also on our website killerhangover.wordpress.com you can find photos for this week's episode and more on our social media facebook and instagram killer hangover podcast If you just can't get enough of us and you want episodes released early and extra goodies, join our Patreon.
0: Yeah. We'd love to have you. Patreon got to have fun with our bloopers. Yeah. So embarrassing. (laughs) No, they were fun. The link will be in the
1: description of this episode, but that is com backslash Killer Hangover Podcast. Next week, we will
0: be covering stories from maryland yes ma'am kind of staying there on that little east coast section yep we've not done maryland yet surprise surprise okay you know we're almost done with, the 50, with states. the 50 states we are so and
1: we've been getting some awesome recommendation emails so thank you
0: yeah we're actually a little down the road we're going to be covering a uh listener's suggestion so send them in keep them coming this is a good one mom sure was darling cheers mama cheers Love you, kid.